what we're going to look at today is three, um, it's not just, I'm not having to shoehorn three points in. Uh, we're look, looking in a passage where there are three prophetic promises from God to his people in the context of a future promise of growth. Okay, so that's the context we're going to be looking at. Really important. We're going to be looking at three points, uh, three promises from God to his people in the context of a future promise of growth. Why are we doing this? Why have I chosen this passage? Well, because um, for us as a church and for us, particularly here at, at the West Site, um, just I should probably say that my part of my role, I work for the church. I'm one of the elders, one of the leaders of the church, and uh, one of my responsibilities is for leading this particular congregation here. We have three congregations across the city, and this is what we call our West Site. And we also have one meeting up in Perry Common in the north of the city, uh, and another one over in Edgbaston, um, to, uh, to, more over towards the south. Uh, of Birmingham, and so uh, and that's Church Central. That's who we are as a church, and so we are we are here as part of that um, here at the West Site. And uh, God has been saying to us over the last few months as a site um, some pretty exciting things in terms of growth and in terms of what He is going to be doing uh, through us. So a month ago, if you were here, um, I was preaching from Matthew uh, chapter five in terms of uh, God saying, "Let your light shine." I was saying that there's a t- this is a time for us to lift the lid as a sense in which he's saying to us, now is your time to shine as a people in this local area. Um, last week, when the weather was a lot nicer, um, after church, a few of us went out. We went to Bearwood up, up onto the um, Lightwoods Park. We were talking to people, giving out information, giving out um, sweets and things, and just wonderful to see people's openness to, to some of the conversations we had, opportunities to pray for a couple of people just there in the park. Um, and it's just amazing the openness that, that there is uh, there and that God seems to be kind of, like I say, lifting the lid and giving us opportunities to shine in the local area. He also spoke to us about a year ago about moving into a season of growth following a lag period, a bit like if any of you are mathematicians, you know a sort of exponential curve, you have a lag and then you have a sudden growth. And so that's something that God has spoken to us too. Okay, uh, And this is in the, the bigger context as a church, as Church Central, over the years, God has given us some prophetic promises that we are holding on to as a church. He said that there are many people for us in this city. He said that we are going to be a people that see Jesus on every lip and every tongue in this city, that see the name of Jesus spoken about, see the name of Jesus talked about and believed in in this city. And that also would be, we'd be for the good of this city, we would actually kind of and do some good for the city and be part of the positive fabric of building the city of Birmingham and also that we would have an impact on nations. The vision is, is for Birmingham, but it's also so much wider. It's for the whole, for the whole world, um, for, for us as a church to be impacting nations. This is the vision that we live with as a church. Uh, it may seem quite grand sitting in a hall like this um, on a rainy October Sunday morning, but this is the vision that we're living with. This is what we're going for as a church. This is what, as a leadership, we believe God is saying to us. And, um, and we love the fact that we are founded on God's prophetic promises. Okay, we're a church that's founded on the Bible. That's absolutely bedrock for us. That's, that's, that informs everything that we are and everything that we believe and everything we do. But we believe in God's prophetic voice, that he speaks. Uh, and over the years, there's been some specific prophetic words. Some of them have come from people within the church. Some of them from friends outside the church. But God, God has given us, and we felt we've weighed these as a leadership, and we feel, yeah, this is what God's saying to us. So when I talk about that, that's what I mean in terms of God's prophetic w- voice to us. And it's exciting. He's talking to us now about a season of, 
of growth and a season of um, fruitfulness in him in all these different ways. And so um, I've chosen this passage because this, this is a passage that speaks into that context, a very different context many thousands, thousands of years ago, really, but it is relevant for us, as relevant for us today as it was back then. The passage is Isaiah uh, chapter 54. Okay, so we're looking at an Old Testament passage, Isaiah. Um, if you have your Bibles, do, uh, do look it up. Isaiah chapter 54, and we're just going to be looking at three prophetic commands to God's people, five verses, three commands. Okay, and um, we shall read the passage together. If you haven't got um, a Bible, the the words will appear on the screen, reading in the New International Version. So uh, Isaiah 54, starting at verse 1, says, Sing, O barren woman, you who were never bore a child, burst into song, Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. What's the background here? What's, what's this passage uh, speaking into? We need to understand the original context before we can apply it to ourselves. Well, as I say, this, this is from the Old Testament. It's uh, a part of the history of the nation of Israel. And broadly speaking, this takes place between David, okay, King David and King Solomon and the foundation of, of the people of Israel in Jerusalem and or the exile when the, Babylon, the Babylonians come and they destroy Jerusalem and they take uh, many of the exiles away to Babylon. And that's the time of Daniel. Okay, so this takes place between David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den. Just, just so we, you know, it's really, we, we know where it stands between the stories. Several hundred years in between both those stories, but that's, it, broadly speaking, where it comes. Okay, and... Um, the context here, sadly, as often in, in the case with the prophets who spoke to God's people in these times, is that the context is that Israel has rebelled against God. Israel has sinned against God. It hasn't kept the covenant um, that God has graciously made with them. And so a little bit further back in Isaiah, in chapter 30, what we see is really just some, some quite damning language that describes Israel's sin. Let me find it for you. It says, these are, this is in Isaiah 30, verse 9, these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things, prophesy illusions, leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. 
That's how the people have responded to God and to, to his prophetic voice. That's like the most negative response you could have to, uh, to God speaking. Okay, and as a result, unfortunately, God's judgment has come upon his people. So um, the Assyrian army, which is like this kind of huge, great big force, has swept across the whole of the Near East, has completely destroyed uh, the kingdom of Israel, and is now coming to the remnant that's left in Judah uh, around the city of Jerusalem. And Isaiah, part of his ministry, takes place. He's speaking to the kings and the leaders of Israel, of Judah rather, while they're literally besieged by the Assyrian army. Okay, so, so this, is a, this, is a, this is a bad situation that they are in. And this is why it talks about Israel being like a barren woman who's desolate. There's nothing left of them. There's judgment has come upon them. There, there's a desolation there. Okay. But, as is so often the case in the book of Isaiah, particularly in the last few uh, chapters of the book, there's this incredible promise of future hope. Uh, he started to just hint at, now God's got a plan that's beyond this. God's going to take us beyond where we are now. And there's a future hope that goes even beyond us. And it's a hope that's for the whole world. Okay, so this, this, this passage has great relevance to us today because it concerns us. It's not just about the geopolitical situation of the ancient Near East. It does affect us as well. And let me show you how it affects us, okay? Because in these few chapters of Isaiah, um, what we see is something of God's overall plan for the world just in microcosm. Okay, let me, let me show you how that works. Okay, so I, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 54. I just, Isaiah chapter 53. Does anyone recognize that passage? Anyone know that passage? It's one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible, let alone the Old Testament. It is the passage that talks about the suffering servant, where Isaiah is painting this incredible picture of a servant of God who's going to come and redeem his people. And, and there's some familiar verses in here. It says, in Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our law-breaking, that means. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sins, for the things that we've done wrong. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. It goes on to talk about this suffering servant who, who was cut off, who, was, who, was, who, who gave his life as a guilt offering and who bore the sins of many. Of course, we know who this is talking about. This is a prophecy, direct prophecy about Jesus, the one who was pierced on the cross, the one who uh, died for our sins. This is an incredible prophecy that actually interprets the life of Jesus from several hundred years before he was even born. It's an incredible uh, prophecy. And so this is the context. It's, it's, it, there's hope. He's talking about hope for Israel, even though they've sinned, they've messed up, they're desolate, and yet there's hope because God's going to send a servant who's going to be faithful and is going to suffer for the sins of his people. And for us, we know that that is Jesus. Okay, and then we have in chapter 54, one that we're looking at here, we have um, some promises which are for the people of God. Okay, so future hope for the people of God are, um, is, is instituted, is explained. 
And we're going to look a bit more deeply at that in a minute in terms of what those, what therefore the people of God need to do to respond to what God is doing, his saving action. And this is for us. This is for, this is for the church. This applies to us. Okay, we are now the people of God. Uh, we were grafted in to the people of Israel, and through Jesus, we are, we are, the gospel has gone to us. We have come to faith in him, and we are now, as his church, the people of God. And then we see in chapter 55, the next chapter, there's an incredible invitation that goes out. Let me just read from chapter 55, verse 1. It says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. And he goes on to say, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And then it goes on throughout these next chapters to, to talk about how this, this invitation goes out to the nations. It goes out, it talks about nations you don't even know, nations you haven't even heard of are going to hear this invitation from God. So this is mirrored in the great commission of Jesus. Yeah, just before he returned to his father in Matthew chapter 28, right at the very end of Matthew's gospel, he's resurrected from the dead, he's appeared to his disciples, and he says to them, go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So this is really relevant to us. This is the context. If you like, in these three chapters, what we see is the whole of the, the Bible story almost in, in microcosm, the whole of God's heart, God's mission, how God is reconciling the world to himself is laid out. So based on that, let's, let's go back to chapter 54 and see what God has to say to us. So first of all, it talks about a barren woman who is singing. Singing, that's a good command, isn't it? God commands you to sing. <laughs> some people would like that, some people maybe not. But um, why is a barren woman singing? That's quite strange. In that culture, um, a woman who couldn't conceive or a woman who was without a husband and couldn't conceive, it seems crazy to us uh, in the, today in our society, but in that day, in that culture, a woman's kind of worth and value was around having children and around continuing the kind of line um, the bloodline, and so if a woman can have, have a child, she had no status in society. She was, she 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 did she didn't have um, any anything to offer. A lot of shame, a lot of humiliation, in terms of how that society saw that. So why would a barren woman be singing? Surely a barren woman would be lamenting, not singing. Well, it's not just because she now has children, but look what it says. It says she's got even more children now than those who than a woman who has a husband. She's got more children now than she could possibly have even naturally. And this mirrors the story of Sarah in the Old Testament who has a miracle baby, Abraham's wife Sarah. At the age of 90, she gives birth to Isaac and then she becomes the mother of a family more numerous than the stars. So there's a miracle baby, a miraculous birth. This is a song about supernatural birth. Okay, it's not a song about her, it's a song about someone else. I thought I might have a bit of fun with you, is that all right? Good, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you're up for that. Um, I love football songs, yeah, football songs that are sung on the, uh, on the terraces. Now, um, some of them are a bit rude, we're not going to sing any of them, but um, 
what I, one of the things I like is when they sing about particular players, you know, sometimes you have like an amazing player who does amazing things and captains their team to glory or scores a winning goal. And so you get songs about these players that are, that are really good. And so if you're a Liverpool fan, any Liverpool fans? Couple. Yes. I might enlist you to sing along to this one. Of course, the famous one there is Steve Gerrard, Gerrard. He's big and he's really hard. He hit the ball 40 yards, Steve Gerrard, Gerrard. Yeah? Arsenal fans, a few years ago. Any Arsenal fans? <laughs> One very half-hearted Arsenal fan is all we can muster. Well, do you remember from many years ago? Ian, right, right, right. I, th- I just think they're brilliant. They're just amazing kind of, you know, compositions, these songs. Um, a uh, personal favourite of mine is the one from Newcastle United, which goes Sunday, Monday, Happy Bay, Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Bay, Thursday, Friday, Happy Bay. It continues in such such a vein. This is what people like these guys. They they sing on a Saturday afternoon. They sing these names out lustily because they absolutely love these people. I had a little word with Rich. Uh, you might know Rich Pitt is a Wolves fan. Any of Wolves fans? We've got one Wolves fan. <laughs> I don't know if you know this one, Steve, but apparently there's a Wolves one at the moment that goes, oh, 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 it's magic, you know, dicko, a phobie, sacko. (laughs) 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 Well, there you go. There is a happy song for a Wolves fan. And the last one I remember from a few years ago, um, uh, Aston Villa. Any Villa fans? There's got to be some Villa fans. Come on. Yeah. So you might remember this one. at Christmas time, I remember hearing the Villa fans starting to sing O Come All Ye Faithful. I was like, wow, this is amazing. They're singing O Come All Ye Faithful. But then they got to the line where they sang, O Come Let Us Adore Him, Agbon Lahore. Which <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, no. <laughs> and do you know what? This, this is what we do. This is what Christians do. This is what our worship is all about. We sing the name of another. We don't sing about ourselves or how great we are. We sing about the name of another, the one who has brought us into blessing. Yeah, we sing about his exploits. We sing about the Lord Jesus. We sing about what he has done, what God has done in our lives. Just like we were singing just then, Jesus is the friend of sinners who's come to us, who's, who's, who's set us free. That's what we do. And we sing about the fact that God has brought us into family. We were, all, we were all barren because of our sin. We, we, we were all friendless. We were all outside. We didn't have a family. And that's what God has given us in each other. That's what he's done. He's brought us into a family. And we now have more brothers and sisters than we could possibly have naturally. That is part of what this amazing thing that God has done. And, and it's all because of a, a supernatural birth that he's given us. That's what we do. That's why we sing. We celebrate the new life that he's given us and we celebrate the fact that he's brought us into a family with brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, daughters, nephews, nieces that we now have because of we are the family of God together. We are the body of Christ together. And so we sing. That's the first thing. In the context of a growing church, we sing and we celebrate and we remember what he's done for us and we celebrate that And we also sing and celebrate his prophetic promises. 
Someone had a prophetic word for us as a church, another one, which I'm going to read to you, um, which said this. It says, understand, this was a specific word for us as a church, okay? And it says, understand the power of joy fair in this season. Be more preoccupied with joy than with battle. Your victories are going to come through joy and overflowing gratefulness. It's great, isn't it? We can joy, we can worship, we can, we can enjoy God, we can sing our faith. And in, and in doing that, it's an act of faith and there's power in it. And we, we're expressing our confidence in our God. So the first thing we do, first thing we do is sing. We sing about our wonderful God and what he's done. The second thing is that we spread out. Okay, this verse, this passage, famous passage, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Not only do we become a gathered family, but we get to restore the city. That's what we do too. And because God's commissioned us to restore the city, that's why we need to spread out, because we need to make room. We need to make room for more. We need to make room for others, because that's God's heart. I don't know, when I, I'm just being honest, right? If when I talk about the church being family, there's probably some of you that think, really? Like, that's not my experience. Okay, and we've talked about this before, and we will continue to talk about this because it's important. We need to work at this. We need, to, we need to opt into this. We need to reach out to one another. We need to build our relationships with one another because we are family. God has made us family, but we need to express that. We need to learn to, to live that out. Okay, we need to have room for each other in our hearts and in our lives. And it is hard work and it's not always easy and it doesn't always feel like the most amazing kind of easy family situation. But, but I'll tell you what, what we've got is so much better than what people out there don't have. How many of you saw the CAP documentary? If you haven't seen it yet, grab it on iPlayer. Okay, it's called The Debt Saviors. It's on BBC iPlayer. It's available for another few more weeks. And it's a, a, a fly-on-the-wall documentary about the work of Christians Against Poverty that we're involved with as a church that um, it's great to partner with. And it's an amazing documentary. I mean, it shows you everything. Really. It shows you people praying and worshipping and talking to clients about Jesus. It's, it's very kind of candid in that sense. But it also shows you some of the sad situations that people are in. It shows you people. There's a guy they interview, and he says... Every, I've lost everyone. You know, my mum's gone, my, nephew, my brother's gone, my wife's gone, I'm just me on my own. And he even says, if I died tomorrow, it, I wouldn't care. That's what it looks like not to have a family. And those are the people that we're trying to reach out to through CAP and through other initiatives like that. So I just want to appeal to you, if you, fit, if you struggle, if you think that church is hard work, I find it hard to opt into family. Just remember, just, you're touching on something that is so good. And I encourage you, opt in, opt in, opt in. I can't say it strongly enough because it's beautiful what we've got here. And, and I believe that, you know, as we work at it, God's grace will be upon us and will help us to, to build that more. That was a little bit of a tangent from the points, but it's still important. So spreading out, what does that look like? Um, we went on holiday this, this year back in the summer, and we went camping. And we have exactly the same tent as the Mellor family. 
Okay, Johnny, he comes with a beard and preaches here sometimes. Okay, we have exactly the same tent. Now, but they have a special porch that goes with the tent. Okay, you might have seen it at the Catalyst Festival. Had it. It's a very nice porch that goes out the front of the tent. And they very kindly lent us this porch for our, our holiday. Now, we've done loads of holidays in our tent. We love our tent. It's great. But when we put the porch on it, whoa, it was like an upgrade. We had all this extra space. We could put our bikes in the porch. We could, you know, sit in the porch when it was raining. We had so much, but it was wonderful. It was like a, an extension, an upgrade to our tent. And that's almost what, what, what this carries a sense of. It's like extend your tent, extend your, your boundaries, make more room um, for what God is doing because he says you will spread out to the right, to the left. It rests on his divine promise. We don't need to do, we don't need to sort of try and make something happen in terms of spreading. It says you will spread out. It's God's divine promise. He brings the growth. We just need to be ready for it. So how can we get ready for growth? This, this is really practical now for us. What does it look like for us as a church to get ready for growth? The first thing is in our attitude. Okay, So growth, what it looks like in the day-to-day, week-to-week, it can look like being, things being very different, there being change, perhaps church feels a bit different, church is a bit less personal, maybe we, we don't um, see our friends as much, maybe it's logistically more challenging, or um, there's lots more people that we don't know, and it can feel, uh, perhaps it can feel inconvenient, perhaps for some of us who don't like church, or who like it when it's small, can find that difficult and challenging. But our attitude needs to be that we have the same heart as God, because God's heart is for the nations. God's, God loves everyone on this planet. And he, it's too small a thing to think of a church to hide what we've got just to us. God wants to share it out. God wants to give it out to others. And that needs to be our attitude as well. Remember, Jesus, the suffering servant, dies for our sins. We then get to get, need to get ready for growth so that he then can send his invitation out to the nations through us. Actions. What actions can we do to get ready for growth? Again, we, we can all opt in, as I've been saying. Um, we, everyone has an important part to play. So we can find our place in God's family. We can find uh, our area to serve in. We can find um, our gifts and we can start to use our gifts to bless the church. We can opt in to, to all of that stuff. And we can learn to reach out to others as we're doing through the opportunities with the Bearwood Outreach and other initiatives, we can start to step out. And listen, right, this is what I'm asking of you in this season. This is all I'm asking. I'm asking that you please pray. And I'm asking that you please do what you can do. Okay, I'm not asking you to do more than you can do. I'm asking you to do what you can do. And that might involve a bit of stepping out of your comfort zone. It might, you know, you might feel shy or you might feel kind of person who's like, I find it difficult to talk to new people. Hey, do you know what? Just all I'm asking is just step out a little bit of your comfort zone, okay? And, and pray. Prayer is so important. We really need to pray. We really need to pray to get with God's heart. God's speaking to us. He's, he, he's showing us what he's got for us. And through prayer, we, we partner with that. We come into to his will and, and go with that. Final thing is stay secure in God. Let's look at the last few passages. It says, do not be afraid love that do not be afraid the wonderful promise of security god says to his people look stretch out 
the nations are coming in. I'm adding to you. You're going to spread out. But it's okay. Do not be afraid. This is a place of security. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. I'll be honest with you. I haven't got a copy of the term card on me. Um, some of the stuff we're doing, some of the stuff we're stepping out in, right, it's, it's pretty scary. I don't know how it's going to go. We're launching Cap Life Skills. I've got no idea if that's going to work. I've got no idea if it's going to work. We've, we've, we're doing a, a Christmas event with Lightwood's House on the um, bandstand. I've got no idea if that's going to work. <laughs> but I feel like God is calling us to do this. I feel like this is some opportunities that God is opening up for us. And it's, it's scary, but this is encouraging. God, God encourages us and reminds us that all of this stuff is founded on him. We're not doing it because, you know, we want to extend our name or we want to, you know, increase the size of our church so that I, it can boost my ego. Goodness sake, no way. None of that, right? We're doing this in response to God. This is all founded on him. His promise and his person are the guarantee of growth and the security of his people. And these wonderful names that he declares himself to us with. He's our maker. He's our husband. We're his bride. We're his people. He, he's covenanted himself to us. He's given himself to us. He's laid down his life for us. He is 100% committed to us, to his people. He's also the Holy One and the Redeemer. Through what he's done in Jesus, he's, he's satisfied his holiness. He's satisfied righteousness because Jesus died in our place. He died the death that we deserved for our sin. So God has been holy, but he's also redeemed. And what this means is that for his people, we can be assured that our shame, our disgrace, our humiliation is gone. Utterly and totally gone. What's the New Testament equivalent of this verse? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has... The new has... Absolutely. And what this means for us is that we can have a fearlessness in approaching the future. As we look to growth, as we think about what that might mean, we don't, we don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid of that. It reminds me of the verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 31, 25, where it says that she is clothed in strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. And I think, man, this, this is a crazy venture doing this thing on the, this Christmas event. Who knows how it's going to go? But do you know what? <laughs> I'm laughing at the days to come because I'm trusting in God. I know that God is faithful and we're just trying to be faithful to him. It's on him. And so when you align your heart and will with God's, there's no fear of the future. He is 100% in control and he is trustworthy. So look, we're running out of time, but just the point of application, individual application to make on this is that if you're a Christian, live the life that God has won for you. So many Christians live in the past and you really don't need to. You don't need to live in the past. The old is gone. 
He's taken away your shame. He's taken away your sin. He's taken away your reproach. It's gone. We can live the new life that he's won for us. Hallelujah. Is that good news? And for us at West, okay, we're going to stretch out our tent poles. That's where we're going. (laughs) We're going to stretch our tent poles out. It might be uncomfortable. It might mean that we have to just kind of all hands on deck a little bit. Once again, I encourage you, if you're not already serving in some capacity on a Sunday morning, it would be great if you did get involved. Sundays here in this school environment require lots of people to serve in order for them to happen. We can't just click our fingers and this happens. A lot of work goes into this. So we'd love it um, for people to opt in and serve and, and to play their part there if you're able to. Absolutely no pressure if you're not, but if you are, then please do have a word with me because we'd love to get you involved. We're going to do all these things. We're going to keep calling it, uh, stepping out to build God's kingdom. And there's other ways we're doing it as Church Central as well. We're going to hear about one a bit later on um, when we show you the Sputnik video. There's lots of things we're involved in as a church where we're stepping out, we're stretching our tent pegs out, and we're looking to see his kingdom built. But let's remember in all of this, this is my final point, final comments, let's remember why we do it. We do it because God has saved us. He's brought us into a family we've got no right to be in, and it's an open family where there's always room for more. And he's commissioned us to work alongside him to restore the city. This is God's heart. This is his plan. And it is a place of tremendous joy and security for us. And we can be fearless as we go forward with God and face the future together. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a pretty good thing to live for.